0: What is going on, beautiful people? I hope you are having an amazing day. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Forever Fit Show. I'm your host, Jay Nixon. And if you know anything about me or you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know that my goal is to help you live your happiest, healthiest life while on the quest to cure obesity. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I am immensely grateful that you spend your time listening to me rant and ramble about all things health, wellness, abundance, and opportunity. It absolutely means the world to me. Today's episode is sponsored by my brand new weight loss transformation program called FLEX. FLEX stands for a Flexible Lifestyle Eating and Exercise Program. And my promise is this, it will be the last program you ever need to purchase. It is a weight loss program that is not a diet. I know that just blew your mind. This is not a diet. There's no pills, potions, or false promises that you have to purchase. There's no fad, no covers of magazines, no doctors in lab coats. This is real deal lifestyle transformation that is going to change your life forever. You will never need to do another diet. You're going to get Expert level support and accountability. You're going to get transformative information about how to eat, when to eat, what to eat. There's three reasons that people struggle with weight loss There's too, it's too much, too often, or the wrong combination. They're either eating too much food too often, or they're eating the wrong combinations. And I'm going to help you fix all three of those. Thousands of people just like you have ditched the depressive diet roller coaster, have come on board with the Thrive Forever Fit. Flex program and are transforming their lives. We've got clients that have lost 10 pounds in the first seven days, 15 pounds, 20 pounds. We've got clients that are over 130 pounds down. Guys, I promise you, this is the last program you'll ever need to purchase. And I am more than honored to offer it to you so that I can help you on your journey. All right, let's get to the show. What if I told you that you did not have to live your life? with chronic trauma, chronic pain, PTSD, all of those anxiety and depressive feelings that you're currently struggling with? What if I told you there was a simple procedure that could help you overcome all of those things? Well, today, you're in for an absolute treat. This is part one of a two-part conversation with Jamie Mustard, where we're gonna talk about he and his partner, Dr. Lipov's amazing discovery. Dr. Lipov is considered to be the Einstein of modern anesthesiology. Guys, this is gonna blow your mind. There's a simple procedure out there that these two gentlemen have written a book about called The Invisible Machine that is going to revolutionize the chronic pain, trauma, PTSD world. I firmly believe that. You were going to be blown away by this conversation. And that's why it has to be a two-parter, because I just could not stop asking questions. So this is part one of this amazing conversation with Jamie Mustard. You're going to absolutely love that. Make sure you tune in next week for part number two. Jamie, welcome to the podcast, brother. How are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you
0: absolutely man like when this came across my uh my radar um i was like absolutely we've got to get you on to to chat about this cuz i think well i don't think i know that so many people are suffering from chronic pain and anxiety ptsd and you know add probably 50 other you know things onto that list and so what you what you and the doctor have done and, and created and and are, are promoting i think is is un believable. So just kind of explain to me, just give me the, the top down version of like what it is that you guys are, are trying to put out there and, and and why it's so beneficial.
1: Okay. I will. I want to say that later on in the show, I want to make sure we talk about how I think this affects diet, exercise, weight loss, that. all that. Okay. So yes, make sure we make sure, please make remember that we should hit that because I have a lot of thoughts about it. And I think I can even learn from you. Right? We're going to get it. Okay. Um, so basically this doctor, <laughs> who I think is, uh, you know, the Jonas Salk of our time, in certain ways, maybe greater in terms of lives that he'll end up saving, um, about 20 years ago, was experimenting with women <laughs> going through hot flashes, okay? Yeah. And and, and uh, he basically uh, was able to land on the sympathetic nervous system in the body, okay? And... Some of these women when he was he was basically taking a treatment from night 19- let me just back it up and make it real simple uh <laughs> the post-traumatic stress uh disorder is actually not a disorder it's a physical injury to the body you can okay. see it on a brain scan and this uh this doctor who's the einstein of anesthesia modern anesthesiology dr eugene lipov my co-author um figured out, invent, in, innovated and pioneered how to reset the sympathetic nervous system to the pre-trauma state. So you could yeah. take, right, so right now you probably have the military doing 15 to 20,000 these a year. The second largest cohort would be sexual assault victims, then first responders, but someone could be in war, they could have a sexual assault and they're really just not the same person anymore. Yeah. And the mainstream is telling them that they have a disorder. They're crazy. Right. Okay. And, but really all that's actually happening is that there's a, physical, there's, there's a physical injury to their body, to these nerves in their neck, which is the sympathetic nervous system. It gets stuck in fight or flight. It's like a broken leg you can't see. Hence the title of the book, The Invisible Machine. And he can, in a, in a simple, say, 15-minute outpatient procedure over one to two days, reset the sympathetic nervous system to the pre-trauma state. So you have the memory, and uh, but you're cool. You just go back to your life.
0: Wow, yeah, that's that's awesome. And we, Doc was supposed to be on with us today, but was he got pulled into a surgery or or something. He he's doing more important stuff than talking to Jamie and I right now. But just <laughs> just know that he's here in in spirit and wanted to be here. And and, and Jamie's going to be a great conduit to deliver all this info. Jamie, what you just said, I, I want to just I want to unpack just the, the last part of that. You said in a simple outpatient procedure, because I think when somebody thinks about this, like they think about it in terms of because it's, it was created by a trauma. So we almost feel like we have to have a trauma to get out of the trauma, if that makes any sense. You know that what I mean? makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and so you just said very casually in a simple outpatient procedure. So re- go, go, go over that with me a little bit more in, in detail so that people understand that it's like, we're not talking about like overly medicating somebody. We're not talking about, you know, hospitalizing somebody. We're not talking about radical things here.
1: Okay, so before I get into how the procedure works, Can I spend just a couple minutes? Absolutely. Going going through a common sense explanation because I just made a huge claim. I just said I just said post traumatic stress is not a disorder. Right. I said it's a physical injury to the body. There's a doctor. His name is Frank Ochberg. He's the guy that defined Stockholm Syndrome for the FBI in the 1970s. In 2012, he started trying. He's trying to get the APA to change the name to post traumatic stress injury (PTSI). Okay. So I want to give you a little backstory to that. And then I'll tell you how the the procedure works. Okay. So just this, this basically gets people to understand, like, there's a lot of confusion. Like this guy just said, it's a physical injury to the body. How can that be? How can they see it? It seems unlikely. But so I want to basically just lay out how that's really actually kind of obvious and been proved for a very long time. Okay. Okay. So if you go back to 1970, Dr. Frank Hochberg, he's 85 now, he's retired. He wrote a book with a bunch of Stanford neuroscientists, uh, it came out on Little Brown in 1970 called Violence and the Struggle for Existence. The, that book came out two years after um, Martin Luther King was assassinated and Coretta Scott King, his wife, actually did the foreword to that book, Violence and the Struggle for Existence. I mean, you can't get it, it's not around anymore. But the, but the point is, there's a chapter in that book called Biology and Aggression. And in that book, um, Dr. Ochberg and these scientists are basically saying, we 100% know that trauma is biological. And here's the reason we know. This is over 50 years ago. This is the reason yeah. we know. We know because if you beat a goat or a dog or a chicken or a cat or a bull or a cow, if you, if you, if you traumatize an animal, okay, uh, it changes. And it changes in one of two ways. It either gets a really, really timid blight or gets really aggressive, fight. Now, we didn't just give that dog a disorder. The scientists know because it's not sentient in in the way human beings are, that we know we've changed its biology. Flash forward, almost 35 to 40 years later, uh, Dr. Lipov and Frank, uh, Dr. Lipov comes across the mechanism that is causing that behavior. Um, And figures out how to reset it without drugs or any sort of heavy dependency, right? Like the way I, the way I compare it is, is that, or the way I explain it is this is the broken leg. You can't see. There's so many incredible modalities out there from talk therapy to working out to yoga, to ketamine. We're learning things about psilocybin. Uh, I'm not a big fan of cannabis because THC ravages the brain. You can see this on a brain scan. Um, But I mean, I follow the data science. That's how I look at anything. Uh-huh. Uh, and then once I see the data, then I'm interested in how can I tell a story that's going to get people to believe and understand that data or connect with that data. Um, so what he does is he takes, there was a shot that was developed in 1926 for tingling hands. So we know it's safe, called the uh, uh, the Stilett ganglion block. He's innovated that into what we now call the DSR, the Dual Sympathetic Reset. So it's really not what it was uh, 100 years ago. But, but basically, he does, uh, a, he uses an ultrasound and the same $2 amount of uh, anesthesia that goes into an epidural, I think it's called bupivacaine, and uh, he uses an ultrasound and he gets to the select ganglion, which is a, it's just a, a nerve chain that goes from your amygdala, your brain, all the way down through your toes. But the main part of it is probably is through your amygdala down to your chest. And your sympathetic nervous system is located in your neck. So when you have a fight or flight incident and you have that thing that like you almost crash into someone and there's Mm -hmm. that thing before you think that kind of jerks you into action, your brain, your amygdala is sending a signal to these nerves in your neck and that causes that instant reaction where you operate without thinking, okay? Mm -hmm. So those nerves are there. What he does is he he takes this anesthesia and he just basically turns off the nerves he does an injection at the c7 and c3 vertebra Uh, that's what we call it dual you can only do one side per day he uh um he turns it off it turns back on 15 minutes later at baseline pre-trauma state i can explain explain the science of how it works so i can give you the societal I can give you the layman's explanation of why it's working but I could also give you the scientific explanation of why it's working.
0: All right, we better stay we better stay layman's terms just for, you know, purposes of of, of not, you know, I love science but let's don't overwhelm people, right? Okay, okay. So let's let's give the, the layman's version. Basically when
1: that your brain sends that signal to your your nerves where you get you want to slip on a mountain. And fall. it's happened to me one time when I was a kid. I yeah. I, I was on Strawberry Peak in, out in California and I slipped and I almost went off the clip and I caught myself and I was heightened for the next three hours, five oh, yeah. hours. What typically happens when we get heightened like that is four or five hours later, we come back down to baseline. Okay, now, if trauma is too overwhelming, as in war, you see your buddy get blown up in front of you, okay? Or in a sexual assault um, and the system gets too overwhelmed, um, you go up into that fight or flight mode and then, it like it it lit. This is why we call it the invisible machine. It's a broken leg you can't see. It it's a, it it physically injures the nerves in your neck, and it gets stuck in fight or flight. And basically, the signal reverses. Tell these nerves in your neck are telling your amygdala 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year that you're under threat of death. And so human beings are not made to live like that for more than 30 to 90 seconds. You're either meant to like kill, the, Let's say like, you have to understand it in relation to how you'd feel if a tiger was jumped out and was chasing you in the jungle.
0: Right.
1: For about 90 seconds, you would either get away from the tiger or you would kill the tiger, right. right? So we're not meant to be in that heightened state for very long. So when a human being feels 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, seven days a week, that they're under threat of death, well, ultimate form of flight, in the military, where you are trained to protect, the ultimate fight is suicide. You're not mm-hmm. going to want to live if you feel like you're going to die all the time. Mm-hmm. And in the neighborhoods where I grew up, uh, um, ultimate fight where life is—you know—violence is a little more acceptable. It, it's violent behavior or wanting to kill someone. So, you, so, two people get into an argument over a cheeseburger, but because mm-hmm. these ner- and these nerves in their neck are telling them that this altercation, which is completely innocuous and means nothing, is life or death. And that's why you see so much insane behavior in the world.
0: Wow. That is, I mean, plausible, right? Like that's like, that's very powerful to think that something that, I mean, I mean, what's do you know the numbers, Jamie? Like what are the numbers of people that they've associated with with having PTSD or these chronic. Well,
1: well, I can give you what the official numbers are and then I can give you my opinion because let's I did, add, Let's add because I, what I did is I gave you the minor cause of it. I think right. that blunt force trauma causes this in about, uh, 10 to 20% of people. Okay. okay. Um, overwhelming trauma first response. You're right. Right. Like, um, yeah, yeah the. Um, so I think the official numbers put out there by the APA or something would probably be something where we're between eight to ten percent, maybe a little lower. Are have been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, which does not exist. It is a physical injury to the body. Science yeah. has proved that. Um, and um, so it's a post-traumatic stress injury, uh, but, but you know we, we call it PTSD. You know, which is really, really sad and inhumane and kind of disgusting. Because you have somebody that has a physical injury and then you're telling them that they're crazy.
0: Jamie, do guess- we call it a disorder so that we can medicate it? Yeah, we do. We okay. call it a
1: disorder because it hasn't been understood. We, yeah. cause it a, we call it a disorder um, because you know there's a, there's a series of eight or nine symptoms or behaviors that are that look crazy, right? But okay. we don't say, like when someone can't walk because they have a broken leg, we don't tell them to snap out of it. And right. we don't tell them they have a a broken leg disorder. It's right. very inhumane that term because um, it is stigmatizing. And we're we don't, we don't make people feel bad or feel strange because or crazy because they have a broken leg. Yeah. This book is called The Invisible Machine: The Startling Truth About Trauma and the Scientific Breakthrough That Can Transform Your Life. Uh, because it's a machine. It's simple. You can see it on a you can see it on a brain scan. Right. So if I were to take an FMR. OK, so, yeah,
0: so that's know, I was just gonna say, what's your number, Jamie. What do you what's the number of percentage you feel like? people? I think 50 percent of the U.S. and global
1: population ha- are walking around with this in their body. And part of that's due to the modern world we live in. We're not our evolutionary biology is not caught up to living how we live now as human beings. But, wow. and I can, yeah, so I think it's 50%. And can I tell you why I come to that number? You better. Okay, so if you start like adding up all the different ways, you know, something like 71% of, of human beings at some point in their lives will experience a trauma- traumatic event. Mm-hmm. So say you get maybe 10, 20% of those guys. Um, and then you start adding up like one in four women experience sexual assault. When you start adding all these numbers up, okay, uh-huh. you'd probably get to about 25%. Uh, Okay, but what the the primary cause of um, post-traumatic stress injury, and then let's get into the symptoms and talk about how they affect weight and diet, okay? Um, But the primary cause of this is actually not blunt force trauma. There's two things that cause this. The other thing that causes this, it's what's called prolonged allostatic load, chronic stress, okay? So when you have stress all the time, you're heightened. Okay, you're not meant to like nature mitigate stress, animals mitigate stress. In a concrete society, where we're bombarded with digital information and bad news all the time, where we live in an artificial box and then we get into a roving artificial box to go to another artificial box, work all day, get back in the roving artificial box to come back to the artificial box. Uh, um, We don't have the normal things that mitigate and calm our our sympathetic nervous system. Okay, Um, so what the the, the primary thing, the thing that causes this is carrying stress for too long. You can get this from not getting your emotional needs met as a child, and you could be a billionaire. You can, be, you can get this from having a distant father, distant parents. You can get this from not being hugged enough. You can get this from bullying. Right. You can get this from a business failure.
0: So there's levels and layers is what you're saying. It just, sp- yeah. yeah. It doesn't have to be like some traumatic thing, like you watched your best friend fall off of a twenty-five-story building. Okay. No, I
1: would argue that ninety percent of the people walking around in this bot, walking around with this injury, or listening to this podcast, uh, um, do not associate themselves with trauma in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. How I came across this and how I kind of figured this out is like, why? Why is an artist writing a book with a you know prominent scientist? Yeah. and, you know, I, I was at Fort Bragg. I got invited to speak to Special Forces for my previous book, The Iconist. Uh, and um, they asked me, you know, it ended up, they knew I'd done it, I knew the doctor. It ended up these colonels that ran all the training for the Special Forces, ended up kind of, rather than me going out there for three, four days for a talk, I ended up staying there for over a week and learning about post-traumatic stress. And it, it just kind of mushroomed. But at one point I did a post-traumatic stress meeting with a bunch of guys. And I sat around for two and a half hours and listened to these guys talk about the most harrowing stories that you could possibly imagine that I can't get out of my head. All yeah. of them being told, special forces, all of them being told after they've sacrificed their lives, their wives, their families, because they come back, they, they're reactive, uh, They, they, and they, their kids and their wives get secondary PTSD. All of them were being told they have a disorder. I listened to this for two and a half hours.
0: Yeah.
1: I was... Angered by it. At the end of the meeting, this guy that ran the Health Initiative Task Force for, for, for the Special Forces, a guy named Jeff Dardia, who I didn't really think liked me very much. I, I think he was wondering why he had to entertain me for this meeting. Uh, he said, do you want to talk? Do you, what do you have to say after listening to this? And I said, well, you know, I don't, I, I don't know that you want to. I have some things to say, but I, I don't know that you want to hear my honest opinion. And then he said, OK, uh, what's your honest opinion? Uh, we want to hear it. That's what we're about here. Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I said, uh, my honest opinion is none of you motherfuckers have a disorder. And it's an absolute injustice and a tragedy that you're being told you're crazy when you could all go to Chicago and fix this in two days. Okay. How was that, re- that received? Well, that's the part where that led to this whole book and this film, my collaboration with the doc. At that point, this guy that I couldn't tell if he liked me very much, Jeff Dardia, he smiled, and ended the meeting and called me over. Okay. And he said, uh, "Jamie, have you ever heard of operator syndrome?" And I said, "No, I've never heard of that. Well, what is it?" And he said, "What's is what happens when a soldier is deployed too long? A special operator, even if they're never in a firefight, they're away from their family for two or three years, twelve months." They're worried about IEDs every day. They're worried about, you know, am I ever going to see my family again? They're carrying this high level allostatic load for um, no no war for a year, two years. They come back with a series of symptoms. When I saw those series of symptoms, I didn't see soldiers. I saw the neighborhoods where I grew up, I saw Mexican immigrants. And so, my mind started racing. I called the doc and I said, Doc, do you know what Operator Syndrome is? He said, yeah. I'm friends with the guy that coined the term. Um, And I said, uh, it's an overactive sympathetic nervous system. He said, uh, you're right. I never thought about it, but you're right. So I think we should talk about, you know, why I say 50% of the population and what the symptoms are. Yeah. Uh, Okay, because again, most people, that have this, do not associate themselves with trauma. They just have the symptoms. You see so many people in our society was like, I've never traumatized, but they can't sleep, but they have right. massive anxiety, but they had a sense of doom, but they're paranoid. Why? You can get that from, again, just having a mother that needles you as a child or your first boss talks to you, makes you for two years, three years, makes you feel subhuman. And then you have ev- you know, every Sunday night before you go to work the next day, you get that feeling. Right right? So we're not meant to live like that. We're not meant to live and we're not meant to live environments that aren't constantly mitigating the nervous system, which is what nature does, okay? When we're like trees, why do we feel better the minute we go out to the forest? Why? It calms the nervous system, okay? So we're not living like that, but we have all these chronic stresses, okay? And from COVID to the news, okay, to 24-hour bombardment of this news, which uses salacious and sensational stories of uh, to grab attention. So you're constantly being hit, yeah. right? Um, so let's talk about the symptoms and why, listen, human beings would have to have a universal response to trauma and it would have to be biological to survive. We're a survival species. Right. So if we have a random disorder and we're all kind of reacting differently to this kind of amorphous mental illness that doesn't, you know, we wouldn't survive. It has to be a physical injury so that we can survive as a species. Right. So, how how do we isolate these symptoms? What are the, what are the symptoms? I, I like to use operator syndrome to kind of isolate the symptoms. There's more to operator syndrome than this because there's a cascade of physiological conditions that come from having an overactive sympathetic. It discombobulates your immune system, orthopedic problems. You can't sleep. What are the problems that come from that? Increased cortisol levels. How's that going to do for your diet and exercise? Right. 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 But you have to look at it like what would happen if we were back in a jungle? you know, but 2,000 years ago and we were running from a tiger, okay? What would the symptoms be of running from a tiger? The symptoms, you'd have these following symptoms. You would have anxiety that the tiger was about to eat you. Right. You would have mild paranoia that the tiger was everywhere because tigers are so dexterous. You would have a chronic sense of doom, like the shoe's gonna drop any second the tiger's gonna eat me. You would be hypervigilant always looking for the tiger you would be hyper aroused you'd be heightened all the time you'd have a hair trigger you'd be reactive because you'd be looking for the tiger so you ha- wouldn't you'd have a hair trigger in traffic with your children with your wife you wouldn't be able to sleep because if a tiger is about to eat you you're not going to sleep 25 percent of these guys these special forces guys when they come back from afghanistan have ed because you can't have sex if a tiger is about to eat you And then, like I said, in the military where people train to protect ultimate, if you're feeling like you're going to die all the time, uh, ultimate flight is suicide. And where the neighborhoods where I grew up, where, you know, taking things out on others is more acceptable. Ultimate fight is violent behavior and homicide.
0: Yeah. Jamie, how does somebody listening to this, who's, who's not an operator, not in the military, not any of those things, but has all the signs and symptoms that you just talked about, lives in the, I mean, obviously lives in the modern world that we live in. How would they make a decision to say is this for me is this not for me how does how's the, I mean, the diagnosis is the wrong word but how would i know if i was a candidate for this particular procedure and how would that be assessed by the doctor the clinicians and things of that nature
1: okay well the one of the reasons i wrote this book and and partnered with this scientist is because you know this invention has been around for 20 years it's been on right. rogan it's been on 60 Minutes. It's been on CBS this morning. Wired. Countless people have written about it. Barack Obama endorsed it as far back as 2010. Okay. The military is doing 15 to 20,000 of these a year. Okay. Okay. Um, so, um, the one the, the one of the reasons I decided to do this is three and a half years ago, the doctor teamed up with what's called the Stella Center. Okay, which is a, a private equity firm in Chicago, a multi-billion dollar private equity firm called Sterling Partners, and the doctor teamed up, and they're opening clinics all over the world with his protocols. Okay. If you're not getting his protocols, the Stella Center protocols, you're not getting it. Even when I was at Fort Bragg two years ago, they were doing it based off of a 10-year-old paper. It was 70% effective back 10 years ago. Now it's 85 to 90% effective in the permanent relief of most post-traumatic stress, Okay. Uh, so right now Stella center has 35 clinics across the United States. I'm not an ambassador for them. They do not pay me. The only reason I'm mentioning them is because if you couldn't get it with the modern protocols, there would be no point in me writing a book because I wouldn't want to put something in front where people couldn't get it the right way. Uh, and also if you're not getting it from the Stella center, you're not getting it. Okay. Okay? Uh, you're not getting the efficacy. Um, so, uh, but there's 35 Stella center clinics across the United States. You can go on StellaCenter.com and there's a quiz and anybody Mm -hmm. can do it. And and I would encourage the people that feel like they recognize those symptoms that don't associate with trauma, I would encourage them to do the quiz the most. If you you have a middle-class spouse or child and you don't know why they're acting the way they're acting, but all those things I just said resonated with you, something triggered them, something pressurized them, even if it wasn't uh, blunt force trauma. You know, I th- so yeah. So that that's that's. Uh, let's
0: let's touch on the book really quick, Jamie. So right. the Invisible Machine, obviously yeah. available on Amazon, pretty much any anywhere you can grab a book.
1: Available or all books are sold. Barnes and Noble. Okay. You can walk into fair your local
0: fair. bookstore; it likely has it. It's everywhere. Okay. So the Invisible Machine. So what would you know? Some people are like ravenous readers, right? They're going to be like, "I'm buying this book. I'm reading the book. I want to know." There's other people who are like, "Oh gosh, I don't want to read, but this sounds like something that'd be important to me." Like who is the who is the ideal reader of this book? Is it somebody that we've been describing? Is it somebody yeah. who knows somebody we've been describing, or is it would this book be beneficial for anybody and everybody? It's
1: such a great question, and you know it's interesting. You know, if this this thing was discovered twenty years ago, and and you published on it for the first time, maybe maybe not quite twenty years ago, well, two thousand eight, maybe the first time you published on it, two thousand six, almost twenty years ago, um, and. You know, it's been around all this time, and most people have never heard of it. Right. Okay. And so, I had, when I met the doctor, I was, well, well first of all, I'm a patient. I went and did it, and it transformed my life in ways I can't even begin to tell you, but we could talk about that. Yep. And so, I was so shocked that this thing existed, and you didn't have to be dependent on drugs, there was no side effects. You know, uh, you know, like I just was it just shocked me that this wasn't as popular as LASIK, you know, like this should be everywhere, right? Absolutely. So I started asking myself that question, and the answer was that whenever it's in the media, it's at the extreme. So I thought somebody needs to bring this, like I have a unique life where I was living amongst the poorest people in the world, and then I went to a fancy university in England where I was among the most privileged people in the world. So it gave me a very unique vantage point. Um so to me, uh, so when when we first sat down with our editor to write the book in the first editorial meeting after signing the the book contract, my the editor said, uh, Jamie, what do you want to get out of this book? And I said, I'm sick of this being at the extreme. My book is I want a wife, a husband, a yoga teacher, a kindergarten teacher, a librarian, yeah. a CEO, a plumber, an electrician. I want. Um, everyone to know that this exists and that they may have this in them and not be associated with trauma so to me this is about um the uh the average person the every person that's that's who this is for that that maybe is having issues in their marriage because they're snapping at their kids or they're not able to calm down for communication with their wife or husband um and this is for them That's who I, I I, yeah, because that's where the majority of people, the suffering is occurring and I'm not partial to some, one group over another. In terms of my efforts, I'm going to go to the group, the largest group where there's the most suffering. And I believe that that's people that have experienced prolonged chronic allostatic load or stress load that do not associate themselves with trauma in any form. And that's who I wrote the book for. I
0: I love every, everything you just said there, because you're right. When you said that, that Things have to be at the extreme for it to get any kind of publication. It's like, you know, the war, an IED blows up a, you know, blows up an entire battalion, whatever it is. Like, as a lay person, you can't relate to that. Right. You're like, oh, well, then my stress or my trauma must not be that important because I've never been blown up by an IED. I've never watched my best friend be, you know, killed right in front of me. And so we tend to suppress those things and say, well, my life's not that bad. So therefore I should just sit with this and not not seek treatment or not do anything and then my brain goes through i used to work in the pharmaceutical world which is a whole different conversation the 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 fact that somebody could get help for this and not have to be addicted to pharmaceutical prescriptive and or other recreational drugs is i mean we should be screaming this from the rooftops like this should be this should be being talked about everywhere I think
1: that the symptoms I just named are about 80% of what covers about 80% of the people on different pharmaceuticals for, agreed. Uh, <laughs> you know, for, and, you know, and why not? If you've agreed. had a great, if you've had what seems like on the surface a normal life and you're having extreme anxiety and the only opportunity, opportunity, but, but being offered to you is like, feel better by medicating it, then medicate it. Right. The problem is, I don't know if you know, followed Daniel Amen's work. Mm-hmm. but you know what he's you know what daniel would say is um when you take a drug to solve a problem you create a problem to solve a problem 100%. you change your brain so that you need it right 100%. yeah and um so yeah so and then the other thing would be if you look at it in terms of addiction you know I um and gabor mate's work you know i i don't after studying neuroscience and working on this book for two years and and like listening to gabor mate i don't addiction exists the way that we understand it what what Gabor would say is that addiction is just somebody trying to regulate their nervous system yeah right so people it's very few people go and just want to be medicated all the time if they're feeling awesome they're doing it when you see somebody that's addicted to something it's somebody that's been traumatized that is trying to take their as Dr. Lipoff would say if you were on the call take their trauma for a swim
0: yeah Absolutely. Right?
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, so there's, there's all these incredible modalities out there that we need. I compare it to uh, a physical therapy and a broken leg. You need to reset the broken leg, the dual sympathetic reset. Then you do the physical therapy, which is very needed and very powerful. Ketamine is powerful. Hyperbaric is powerful. Talk therapy is powerful. You know, psilocybin is powerful, but this thing you can get 80% progress and you don't have to, you know, have a a, a disassociative experience or trip out or risk a bad trip. When you can get this much uh, relief in a day or two, it makes everything
0: easier, possible, and doable. Before we talk about the weight loss side of it, Jamie, I want to touch on this thing because I think it's really Oh, and great. I forgot
1: one thing you asked me about the quiz. You can go on okay. stellacenter.com
0: okay. and take a quiz. Stella Center.com. Okay. I'll yeah, put that in the show on, notes as well. Yeah. You
1: could also go to Dr drEugeneLipBob.com and there's amazing resources. Okay. Dr. Perfect.
0: Hey, before you go, I'd just like to say thank you again for listening to the Thrive Forever Fit podcast and watching on YouTube. It means the absolute world to me. And if you would, if you would do me one favor, and that is simply subscribe and review this podcast on whatever platform it is that you enjoy it on, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, doesn't matter. I would absolutely be so grateful and so thankful if you do that for me. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you again next week with an awesome, awesome episode. Bye.